Hello, and welcome to Daughters Who Dare. Join me, Erin, your host, and my lovely guest as we dive deep into what it means to be a child of a narcissistic parent. While each episode covers a different subject, know that every episode will be crammed with honesty, humor, and hope. So sit back and relax. Let's do this. In this episode, I am joined by my lovely guest, Beth. Hi. <laughs> Let's talk about the many definitions of narcissism, shall mm -hmm. we? Fun, fun. <laughs> Today, I would call my mother a narcissist very clearly, yeah. like straightforward, clean and cut. But that hasn't always been the case. Back in the older days, it makes me laugh. <laughs> when I was growing up, it wasn't a word that people often used. No. And when I think about that, I think about, I don't know whether it was an advert that I saw or it was something on Instagram or whatever it was. And the younger person, probably around your age, mm -hmm. was asking her father, what, what did you do <clears throat> back in the day when you couldn't look things up? Like she was obviously talking about Google or search engines or whatever. Yeah. And he just looked at her and it was very honest and true, not to be funny. He just said, we had to live with the unknown. And I swear to gosh, you know how when you hear something and it hits like a, like right between the eyes. And I thought, yeah. oh my gosh, that is so true of my experience of like words like narcissist, mm -hmm. because when I was growing up back, what, 50 years ago, and should I say when dinosaurs roamed the earth, <laughs> <laughs> feels like that when I say 50 years, <laughs> it was the same. Like we didn't have, I mean, I had my first computer class at uni. So like computers didn't exist. We didn't have smartphones. We didn't have internet. We didn't have anything. So when you wanted to learn about something. It meant going to the library. Yeah. If you were lucky, you had a set of encyclopedias or a dictionary, but you just kind of made or formed your own kind of definitions because you really didn't have many resources to mm -hmm. look to or to get from. So I guess when I would back then would have been thinking, referring to a narcissist, I would have said things like selfish, egotistical, always put their own needs first. Mm -hmm. I mean, basically, if we're being honest, <laughs> the current narcissist would have been spared most of the adjectives and the descriptive words that I would gladly, oh yeah, gladly <laughs> and freely throw around today. Yeah. I mean, nowadays, in the absence of dinosaurs, of course, <laughs> <laughs> narcissism has become a buzzword you hear it and see it all over social platforms yeah. and there are times i have to say and i'm gonna sound ageist here for two seconds i apologize sometimes when i hear young people talk about narcissist or narcissism they're often saying things like they're an egotist using words that would to me someone who's selfish, very, very selfish, yeah. extreme selfish, more egotistical, puts their needs first. 
I get what they're saying because it has become a buzzword. It's used a lot more frequently, I think, than it should be. And I could be wrong. I can't judge specific situations. But I feel like in some ways we've gone from one extreme, or at least within my lifetime, Mm -hmm. we've gone from one extreme to the other. But throughout my life, I can guarantee you that the many definitions that I have written, at least in my own head, would fall on various places of that spectrum, you know, like going from one extreme to the other. And it just depends on how old I was, you know, how in tune I was, how aware I was. I think that is the right And even more than that, how brave I was to actually admit that something was true. Because if you're not admitting it, or you're not labeling it or putting a name on it, in some ways you can almost kind of sort of still be in denial about it. I think that absolutely is true. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think when I said to somebody very close to me a few years ago, I said, you know what? I've realized at my ripe old age of whatever I was then, 53 or something, Mm -hmm. that I could happily say that mom was a narcissist and her response was flat out. Oh, I I don't need to use labels. I don't need to. And I thought, huh, life might be easier and softer and safer (laughs) without certain labels. But to me, that word became like the visible truth of it all. Like the readable, is that a word? Legible uh, word. Do you know what I mean? Like to, to know that I could call her that confidently yeah knowing it was true it wasn't like a scary thing or a oh no now you have to deal with the reality of it because we were already doing that no of course it's just a matter of getting my head around that word so i thought the best way that we could talk about the many definitions that we have written in our minds Mm -hmm. is to go through like a chronological lifetime or whatever for both of us and especially because I love the fact that we're of very different ages and I feel that those listening I'm hoping are also going to be of different ages and can appreciate that although we do have very similar stories and experiences we can be in very different stages God knows the one thing I've learned about healing is that it is not in any way shape or form linear so to say that because I am so many years older than you that I am in such a better place is so wrong no I can say, yes, I might have learned a lot more, but some days I could be before you as far as stages are concerned, because it just depends on the circumstances. It just depends on so many things. Let's just go through this timeline and see if if people can hear things that they might be able to recognize or appreciate. So for instance, if you had asked nine-year-old me, to describe or define my mother, I think the first word, and this might be surprising to most people, the first word that I would have used was confusing. Mm -hmm. A big part of that was because as a growing up Catholic child, I was always being told to be honest (laughs) and to tell the truth, which I did I mean, oh, did I? I was the, you know, the child who followed every rule, literally never broke a rule, people pleaser. Everything was black and white for me. You know, if the church said do this, I did it, you know, with bells and whistles on. So what was confusing for me is that I'm being taught not only at home, but at school and at church that I'm to be honest and truthful, yet 
I would witness on a daily basis, I might add, that my mom was saying one thing and doing something else. She would behave one way behind closed doors at home and behave the exact opposite everywhere else. So way before I thought of words like nasty, mean, someone who enjoyed corporal punishment a bit too much, (laughs) I had to push past the sheer confusion. That would have been my key word if if you had asked nine-year-old me. What about you? I think, yeah, you explain it perfectly. It is confusion. It is certainly for me, definitely the basis of the whole relationship with both of my parents, yeah, but specifically my mother who would... There'd be several situations where I would be so confused that I would be seeing one thing and then being told the other, like you say. With narcissists, it's a very common thing for them to act out being a really charming person and and to manipulate essentially other people around you to make sure that they could do what they wanted behind closed doors and treat you exactly but I think that is also part of the abuse is trying to confuse it is trying to put you in a place where you don't feel like you trust yourself enough so yeah, you're, you're always have to... questioning yeah exactly yeah yeah, yeah. that's exactly yeah. in the place that they want you yeah and I think that's probably what left us to be very dazed and confused when we were out in social settings with our families absolutely because it was the whole not only the way I'm behaving here and now is going to matter but what the consequences will be because nobody around me would have known that there would have been consequences once behind closed doors and sometimes the consequences come from not even yourself or your parents saying anything yeah a lot of the time for me when I was younger it was someone else saying something completely innocent and then I'd get the backlash from it later on just because something's being mentioned about me yeah and I think now when I think about it as an adult and especially as a parent and I think I can imagine that when there were situations especially for my mom Mm -hmm. where it involved her extended family and it would have triggered her or brought back some kind of an insecurity or any fear or whatever rather than dealing with it herself Mm -hmm. and learning ways of strategizing that instead she would then put it on to me like it was it was just easier and quicker to just let me deal with it rather than for her to have to figure it out and how common is that a lot of people that they feel the same way that they feel like their parents could have done a lot more to maybe sort out their own issues and to sort out their own insecurities and everything instead of putting them on i think that's a whole generation yeah. To be honest. Yeah, no, I would agree. I would agree. Yeah. So, okay, moving on from nine, let's now move up to 15, 16 year old me. <laughs> if that person were to describe or define my mother, at this point, I didn't have to think very long or hard at all. Moved way past the confusion, even though I didn't have the luxury of answers at my fingertips and being able to scroll through. <laughs> many, many different explanations or suggestions or examples. It was during my teen years that I confidently chose the label emotionally abusive. And even then I remember the first, I can literally, this sounds ridiculous, but it's true. I can remember the very first time when I was talking about 
the situation with my mom and I used the words emotionally abusive, mm -hmm. the person within me, the kind, thoughtful, caring human being, I was almost like afraid to use those two words because they sounded so harsh and so, I don't know, and I, I just felt kind of odd using those words, even when I was referring to her, because it just felt so intense. But at that point of my life, 15, 16, mm -hmm. oh, behind closed doors, I repeat, she would call me names. There was tons of body shaming going on. Mm -hmm. One of the favorite things she does, which is still a trigger for me to this day, mm -hmm. she would use superlatives like they were condiments. Throwing them around on everything, like I'll give you an example, like everyone in the family thinks that you're negative. Everyone in the family has problems with X, Y, Z. Okay. And I used to think, what, you guys having private meetings without me in the kitchen at night? Okay. And you've made this family decision? This, this is something that's been heavily researched. This is a tactic that narcissists use called the invisible army. It's finding a way to say, you know, to create a pretend situation to say, if you did this, then all of these people would hate you. And it is putting more emotional baggage onto you. Because they know that they've already got you in that place. So they're putting you further under by saying it's not just me. Yeah. yeah. Everyone else yeah. will think this. Like be on edge, look over your shoulder. And that's exactly yeah, how yeah, I yeah. felt for my and I still feel like that. I think a lot of my anxiety does come from being told constantly you're doing something wrong. You you like there's something, there's this, there's that. Like it is damaging. Yeah. It really and is. I think because like you just said, you know, doing the research. It's called, and I love, love, love the term invisible army because yeah. I think it, my gosh, Describes I can visualize. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But not having had, once again, those references, and I yeah. know I sound like Susie Dinosaur here, no, but, it's, but true. it's true because you don't have those references. Those references to me give you a sense of belonging Absolutely. to so many other people who've experienced the exact same situation. Mm -hmm. And yet as a 15 year old, even though I could proudly say, you know, confidently say, this is my mom. She's an emotionally abusive person. Yeah. I didn't have terms like invisible arm. Like I knew that she was gathering people and creating a team of all these people yeah. or minions or whatever you want to call them. But it's so nice. Like I just, I feel so good for people today oh, me too. who are trying to figure this out because God love you that you do have the internet at your fingertips, They've that got, you do have yeah. buzzwords, that you do have other young people who are far more willing to put out everything onto the table, out onto the public domain, mm -hmm. and in some situations, probably too much information. However, they feel comfortable doing it. And yeah. because of that, like I just think of people my age or older who pretty much didn't talk about any of this oh, at all. That's one of the main things. And also the fact that a lot of the younger generation now care a lot more about accountability people they do not want yeah. people to get away with everything that they've managed to do and I think there's a massive consensus in your generation the generation in between us and my generation that a lot of our parents are narcissistic a lot of them didn't do their own work on themselves and passed on a lot of trauma to a lot of us I think it's yeah and I think now. in addition to that now that we're talking about generational I think in addition to that another issue that and I'm not saying that people don't respect 
older people. They do. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying I'm not dissing young people. Mm -hmm. It's the fact that for some people my age, not all, and the older generation, it was all about respecting your elders. Yeah. And that kind of gave them free reign. Yeah, literally, or a free pass because you need to honor your mother and father, whatever Mm -hmm. that is, like whatever they're doing. And, you know, just like some people who say, you know, you should never divorce for the same reason, you know, you're supposed to be, you know, married for life if you made that commitment. But to me, it's like at 15, 16, I could tell all the, like my definitions were getting better, broader, Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh, more words included, more adjectives, more descriptive words, but it still wasn't enough. Like it still wasn't a complete definition. Mm -hmm. And, And I think that's what's so hard is because like, even if you do look in a dictionary, even if you do look up any resources online, you are going to get words. You are going to get actual definitions, Mm -hmm. but none of them to me, there's not one definition that's complete. Never. You have to be bringing, like, I just feel like they, they're just developing throughout your entire life. There's just not one that's sufficient. Plus, I don't explain. think it's, yeah, I don't think it is something that you can put into words because I don't think if you've not mean to put apart other narcissistic relationships because I've experienced both, like, I, they're both still very traumatizing, but the parents one, that is just something that will never, ever leave. Like we've both said before, I will be on my deathbed 90 odd and I will still have that part of me that wants validation off of my mum. And because what you're saying about the difference, and I'm not saying that just because someone was able to leave a narcissistic relationship as in a loving, you know, like a partner, or that just because you could leave work and not have this narcissistic boss anymore, that that's any easier or better or easier to get over. But I think the difference is, and this is what I said in the very beginning of like the, in the welcoming episode, Mm I will always be a daughter of a narcissist. Mm -hmm. So always I, it's not like something that you get over when you magically turn 30. And that I think is one of the most difficult things when I try to describe the whole narcissistic relationship, even with people my age, some of my peers, because, you know, they'll often say like, when we talk about our childhood or what it means to be a child, people think you're referencing an event or a circumstance of when I was like seven years old, this happened. And therefore I am traumatized by it. And I'm once again, I'm not minimizing traumatic events. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is as a child of a narcissistic parent, it is something that you live with your entire life. End of story. Yeah, you never escape it. No. And it doesn't matter about distance or whether they're alive or deceased. (laughs) None of that's relevant. The fact is you and you know some people might say to that well you need to let go and move on and do all those things but and we will discuss this in in, in other episodes as well but i think that is one of the reasons why to define a narcissist is so complex it's just so complex there's so many layers levels whatever you want to call it yeah yeah so it's just it's the one of the most unique words, I think, as far as it goes so far beyond 
those first things we talked about, like selfishness or egotistical. It goes so, so, so far beyond. And I think it's important to mention that it's not just, it doesn't just mentally affect you, like, especially as a child, especially in development years, it is physically changing the pathways in your brain to work a different way. Like, it is physical. And it can also go on to other physical ailments and continue on to like a lot of pain and a lot of internal things it's not just mental yeah and I think that's another thing that I used to hear as a young person definitely when people used to say you need to stop blaming your parents for blah 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 or blah 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 and I think yeah okay I get that to some degree like I don't use it as my trump card to get out of situations you know like I I don't say like I can remember even because my parents got divorced and people were like oh well you can't have a happy marriage because you come from a broken home and you're like huh like what and I do. So ha ha on that one. (laughs) However, it's not a matter of blame. It goes back to a word that you used earlier, Beth. Mm -hmm. It goes to accountability. I'm not saying that I do A, B, and C because I was treated this way. Mm -hmm. It has definitely affected the choices that I make, especially as a parent, but I don't sit around and blame. If I make a mistake or I do something, I do not blame the fact that this happened to me throughout my life. I hold my hand up and I take accountability Mm -hmm. for the mistake that I have made. Always. Do you know what I mean? Like rather than using it as an excuse for treating somebody that I love in the same manner or a similar manner, I refuse to say I blame her for this. Well, I think that's a lot of us getting blamed for everyone else's problems when we were younger yeah by parents it is i think a byproduct yeah no i agree 100%. not wanting to be the same person because that is definitely a running theme for me i want nothing more than to be the furthest thing apart from my parents like yeah. i would love to be the complete opposite Yeah. And the thing is, this is another thing that I want to talk about throughout every episode, if I could. Yeah. The fact that you can make choices. Oh, absolutely. You can, because I have. It's difficult. And, you know, people, you know, might be, oh, listen to her. But I'm not, I don't ever claim to be perfection. I don't ever claim to, you know, have all the answers. But what I do very much know as a fact Mm -hmm. (laughs) is that you can be a different person to the one that, you know, you come from and the one you told you've been told you were going to be yeah. that they're two different <laughs> people. Okay. So let's move on. We've, we've gone through childhood, teenage years. So let's go to 20 something year old me, which is what you are now, mm-hmm. but we'll go back to me <laughs> a few days. <laughs> Scroll back. I would probably say as a 20 something year old me, I would use words like manipulative, clever, because yes, intentional, Mm -hmm. yes, controlling. And at that point, we talk about this invisible army. Well, by that point, she got them all uniforms, (laughs) artillery, tents, rations. She had, oh, we had a whole, whole what was that game called? I guess it are the game where you play like you're all little armies and stuff. That's what it reminds me of. It's like she literally had the army. I don't even think they were invisible anymore because I could see all the people and I could name them for you right now. That's how (laughs) formed the army was. But I think the difference was, I don't know what 
age I was exactly, but I'm guessing it coincided with being at uni. I felt a bit more confident in myself. So I found the courage probably for the first time. I don't know that I ever talked back or gave any back chat or anything like that, but I probably had enough courage to confront her at that point about certain situations or maybe ask for clarification or explanations. And dare I say, wait for it, ask for apologies. (laughs) Crickets, crickets. Yeah, that's like any child of a narcissist is like, I'm going to laugh for the next 10 minutes. Have you ever heard those? Because I never have. No, no, no. Not single. They must be swear words for narcissists or something because they refuse to use them. They'll they'll honestly drop dead on the fucking spot (laughs) if they say sorry, if that word ever leaves their mouth. It's so funny that you say that. It's not in their vocabulary. No. But. In all of, uh, I guess in all of those cases, I felt like I went in strong. Like I went to approach, or at least I looked it on the outside. But every single time I came away deflated, Mm -hmm. discouraged, and absolutely none the wiser. Just a mess, yeah. None the wiser. I can remember just thinking, right, this is one, and I mean, like, even if I had to formulate some bullet points, because... Let's once again remind you, we had no smartphones, no notes on our phone where we could keep reminders and all this kind of stuff. So, you know, I went in, guns blazing, ready to go. And every time was told, let's guess. I bet you if if we could play the game of what did she say, (laughs) we would have the exact same answers. And they were things like, you're lying was the first one. Yeah. My, one of my second favorite ones was you have a selective memory. Oh, I always got yeah. that one. Yeah, yeah. 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 You're only remembering what you want to remember. Yeah. That yeah. One. yeah. You're and twisting you're it wrong. <laughs> yeah. I'm twisting it. My See, God. we didn't even grow up in the same country, the same generation. The, yeah. Do they have like secret it's meetings a text somewhere? <laughs> They've got that textbook. Yeah. yeah. Narciss- Do they get a be narcissistic for dummies? Yeah. yeah. Those fucking, <laughs> yellow books honestly i'm not joking the they amount shared, of times they shared they shared cheat sheets yeah hey i just read chapter four here's the answers because it yeah. is it's yeah. so consistent across yeah. the board but i mean we can laugh now in this Thank moment God, yeah. but when it happened i can just literally i had an invisible mop and bucket let's talk about invisible things you know like i was literally a mess when i would come away from situations like that thinking because at that point there was zero confusion and i knew exactly who and what i was dealing with at that point Mm -hmm. so that i think makes it even more frustrating and scary Uh, yeah yeah, because you know the ramifications, you know the consequences. Yeah. And that's why I think it's important to say as well, it is if anyone ever does stand up to a narcissist, but specifically their parents, it is one of the bravest things that you can do because you feel like you're so locked in at that situation, like you're gonna have the worst thing happen to you if you challenge them, but you like people do. Yeah, You've and done it. as done you're it. saying that, I'm thinking, do you know why? Because the narcissist is getting stronger as well. Yeah. You know, just like I'm sitting here going, yeah, look at me. I had my armor on and I went in for this meeting of sorts. Well, she was getting stronger too. Mm-hmm. They don't get weaker as they, wouldn't that be great? 
you know, as we got stronger, they got weaker. It doesn't work no. that way. They learn more strategies. Oh, well, that as well, yeah. They get better. They, they get different people, different, uh, not just the family, outsiders to join their oh, yeah. army. Yeah, Do you know yeah. what I mean? So it's happen. not just such a small behind the closed doors anymore. Mm-mm. You know, the, the story gets more complicated. You know, like, I just think it's like, almost like a Game of Thrones episode <laughs> where, you know, there's so many things going on mm-hmm. at once and it doesn't get any easier. Even like, I just think about that. The amount of times in my adulthood mm-hmm. that I have confronted narcissists. And although now I might not cry as many tears as I once did mm-hmm. in the moment, I mean, the effects and the impact that it has on me, you can't, I don't know, it's always, always, always hurtful. It's always, oh, yeah. always hurtful. And depending on how many wounds it reopens. That as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And how much healing that you've done in certain areas, all those things matter, but it never gets easier. It never yeah. gets easier. And for me, it has. It's some of the times that I have confronted specifically my mother, it has set me back like quite a lot in my healing. Obviously, we know when we've said it's not a linear process, but I feel like it does set me back. And then I beat myself up afterwards because I'm like, Beth, you knew this was going to happen. Why did you do this? This yeah. is your fault. And it's not. It's the kind of. And people do ask that. Gym. And that's that makes me not laugh. It makes me oh, smile because rich. I think the amount of people who have said to me, when I have shared for the first time, for instance, about something that happened and they, their first bless them. It's innocent. I know. I know but and it it's, just doesn't it's help. intentional. I know they're being kind and thoughtful and trying to help and all yeah. that, but they'll say, but have you spoken to her about that? Have you told her that that's how it makes you feel? And I care. literally could, if I crossed my eyes any harder, <laughs> They would never come undone because I just think, honey, if I could count the amount of times that I have attempted to have a conversation and this is why, like, I'm not afraid of confrontation. Yeah. I'm not afraid of confrontation. I never have been because I know my truth when I come to the table. However, the amount of times that I have had, and I will call them confrontations because when you're dealing with a narcissist, you have to be ready. Yep. You have to be ready. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I just think the amount that I've had to this date is insane. I don't think I could even put a number to it. I mean, for me, it's everything. It's it's confronting them in person, by text, of a call, of a FaceTime. The amount of letters that I've written and sent, the amount of letters that I've written and not sent, it's a, a lot of different times. And I think because it's different with a narcissist that you know with other people, there is the hope of the accountability there is the hope of apology yeah and with those two things they're not going to happen but yet as that child this is where the relationship with the narcissistic parent is different from others because as the child i still did want to hope for those things even though i knew even though i knew it wasn't going to happen. I still wanted it to happen. My parents, yeah, my parents are older than you. And I still at my big age, still, there's still a part of me that that hopes. I know it's not going to happen. I know it's hurting me to think that, but there is still a part of you that wishes that it would change. Yeah. It won't. And I think what we have to remember is that without fail, Mm -hmm. those of us children of narcissists, 
we are always, we haven't used these terms yet, but they're all very true. Nonetheless, Mm -hmm. we're always the scapegoat. We're always the black sheep. Mm -hmm. We're always the chosen one. Mm -hmm. And that I think surprises a lot of people who aren't familiar of being a child of a narcissist is that very often, I don't know of any exceptions to this Mm -hmm. and I'd be gladly, I will absolutely be glad to be corrected if somebody wants to challenge me on this. There's usually just one of those children in the family. There's usually just one who becomes the, not that every child is the scapegoat or the black sheep or the chosen one. No, but they choose a victim. Yeah. And and let's be honest, I have been all of those, the scapegoat, the black sheep and the chosen one. But guess what? None of those are prizes or trophies that Mm -hmm. I hold. They're labels. They're things that I became, but not by choice. Not by choice. I mean, I have three siblings. Mm -hmm. And although she was in different circumstances, unfair, unjust and unkind to all of them. Like, I'm not saying that they had an easy ride. That's not true. But most of her narcissistic words and behavior were saved for me and me alone. And how do I know that for sure? Because let me tell you, I needed to know that I wasn't once again making it up or being crazy. So I can remember that, you know, obviously you can remember everything, but there were certain traumatic events that happened. And I refer to them as related to my rites of passage, like things that you have to go through, like when you're going through puberty or teenage years Mm. or whatever. And when I asked my sister, if any of those things happened to her, because she's the only other girl Mm -hmm. and without going into any details, she adamantly said no. And I just thought, okay, so it wasn't just my imagination yet. How come she chose to do a, B and C with me and then chose not to do a, B and C to her. And that's where it became even more clear that it wasn't a common thread throughout the four of us. It's like, I became the one that was the one who received all the narcissism. And I don't think any of us will ever get the answer to that. To no. And I think that is one of the most peculiar things that most of even my friends and peers don't get. No. Because I think they assume that, like, if you have an abusive parent, for instance, oftentimes, like, I'm talking physically at this point, oh, yeah. or even emotionally, too, they would so, do yeah. the same to all the children. Do you know what I mean? You'd think, wouldn't you? Yeah. Yeah. None of... I mean, it wasn't my brothers and sisters because it was adopted. It was my sister's children. But the way that they got trapped compared to me, they never got hit. They never got dragged around. They never got, you know, they got, in fact, better treatment because they were the golden children and I was, you know, whatever I was to them. Yeah. And I think that's part of the whole lifelong healing process. That whole thing of why Why me? me? Yeah. Why me? I mean, that's, I'm still years and years and years and years off of that feeling because I still don't understand that. And I still ask myself that I wish I didn't. And I understand why, but I still do. Yeah. And I think part of that, if, you know, I can say as an older person, part of that is going from the believing them to not believing them. Like you can, you know, you can still hear those words in your head, but it's a matter of not believing what those words are saying if that makes sense and we we will definitely be discussing that at another episode for sure (laughs) because like i have to be honest like i rarely if ever Mm -hmm. 
discussed my relationship with my mom, even with my siblings, like growing up, we just didn't talk about it. And I think part of it was a, she had drafted them on her invisible army team and B by befriending me or believing me, they felt they might be putting themselves in jeopardy of some kind. Do you know what I mean? Like Which if, they might if, well have been. if she might have shifted her focus yeah. onto them rather mm-hmm. than the, the black spotlight being on me or mm-hmm. the target being on my back, it might have shifted things. Mm-hmm. So all that did through all that whole first 25 years of my life or whatever, talk about feeling alone. You know, like within a family with four children, one would think, wow, that's fab. You know, you had all these siblings. But when it came to my relationship with her, it's almost as if we weren't raised in the same house, in the same family. And that, that blows my mind to this day. Because when I think about how, I mean, my kids laugh. Mm-hmm. and joke about how one might be more the favorite than the other. But it it seriously is, you know, hot comical because I know for a fact that one of the things I did as a parent was made an intentional choice mm-hmm. to treat them all the to same. Equal with yeah, them. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, there are little things like how old was one when they got a smartphone and the other one, you know, like it's little things like that. But it's like in general, they were all treated the same. And it's especially important for the fact that you've got you know, boys and girl. Yeah. It is important that they were all, you know, treat the same. Because in a lot of families, it's not always, you know, the same kind of dynamic. Yeah. That sometimes yeah. No, no, no. It was a very intentional choice. And I think especially, like I just had said, about being raised so differently, even within the same household, it was just so apparent. Like it was so obvious that it didn't take anything to be put under a magnifying glass to Mm -hmm. figure that one out. But something definitely changed when I was 22. And that was like after, oh my goodness, a great, great, great deal of thought and many discussions with older and wiser friends, which I was blessed with many at that point, I made a huge decision. And it's funny because once again, this is a buzzword today, but back then I would not have called it this. Mm -hmm. I decided at 22 to go no contact. And back then, In a way, people might say it was easier because it just meant literally no longer seeing or hearing from my mom. Mm -hmm. And that was easier because I could move away and we didn't have cell phones. We didn't have internet. We didn't have anything. So it wasn't like she could be like, find a friend on her phone, know where I was or look up Facebook and stalk me like so many people do today, like all those things. So on one hand, it could have seemed easier because I just didn't have to answer my landline or answer the door. Mm -hmm. They were the two things I had to worry (laughs) about. But on the other hand, the decision wasn't any easier due to the absence of technology. It was still, and I'm not being funny when I say compared to saying yes to my husband, when he asked me to marry him, I had no doubt whatsoever saying yes to that question. Mm -hmm. And yet the amount of time and energy and thought that I put into making the decision of going no contact, because this is another thing that many people don't understand. You don't make no contact and then that's it. It's over. You only have to say it once. (laughs) 
and everybody obeys that decision and then everyone acts accordingly. No. I've tried it like 10 times. Yeah. And I'm still back on square one because I'm still contacting the mother that just clearly doesn't give, let's be honest, doesn't give a shit about me and is just performing just for herself, just to make herself feel better. Yeah. It's not a linear thing. The same and it, it's like literally just because I've made that decision. Oh, that's another thing. Doesn't mean that yeah. they, they go, oh yeah, okay, sure. No worries. I'll let you go then. Thanks. Uh, Cheers. Yeah, wish, yeah, yeah. So wish. like, so what happens then when I turn 22? Yeah. When people might have asked me if they did mm-hmm. to define my mom, I could say that I made the brave and healthy that they're my two favorite words yeah brave because it was and healthy because it still is decision to have no relationship with her Mm -hmm. but spoiler alert the narcissism didn't end and it still hasn't really i just wasn't dealing with it with her on a regular basis like that's the only thing that genuinely changed because you still get it from other members of the family indirectly or whatever. And I have seen her. I mean, what made it worse when I decided to go no contact was that the rest of my family didn't understand and didn't agree with my decision. So here's this cute little, let's just pretend cute, furry black sheep (laughs) standing alone in the field But then I felt like I wasn't even giving food and there was no grass in the field. Like it went from black sheep in the family to black sheep in the family with no grass and a wolf chasing me around the field. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, here I was feeling like that I had made the most educated, intelligent, informed decision, decision. brave Mm -hmm. and healthy for my peace of mind. And yet instead of people saying, good for you, Good for you. You deserve to be healthy. You deserve to be at peace. I got more questions and accusations and criticisms and judgments from the rest of the family. Yeah. Not the narcissist, but from the rest of the family. It just went from worse to worse. I can imagine. Yeah. Yeah. I just feel like, like as we go through life, we learn new ways to navigate this. I mean, we have to, we have no choice but to learn new ways, but it never goes away. And I just feel like I don't want it to sound like Grim (laughs) Reaper or Debbie Downer, Mm -hmm. but the fact is they will always be our parent, whether we see them or not. Yeah. You know, the relationship might change. The definitions definitely change. The only thing that remains the same, the only thing that never changes, what is it? boys and girls, the narcissist. Mm -hmm. I have seen my mom since that no contact day. And as you can guess, every encounter was expected or worse. One of them being my wedding day, which I'm not even going to go into right now. Boy, that was a doozy. She is still a narcissist. Mm -hmm. Surprise, not surprise. But the beauty is I have changed. Exactly. For the past 36 years, I have learned more about myself by going to therapy for a couple of years. I made many, many healthy choices. I chose and continue to choose happiness. You know, I might struggle to define her, but I don't let any of those words define me. So if you were to ask 58-year-old me, 
to define my mother. I think my favorite way of describing her today would be she is truth, blind, deaf, and mute. Mm -hmm. And what do I mean? Well, she's unable to see the truth, hear the truth, and speak the truth. What about you? What would be your definition today? I think, um, I don't think those kind of words you'd want on your <laughs> podcast, to be honest. <laughs> I'm sure people can guess. I think I'm still in a very much like angry, resentful, like rage filled part of my healing journey because I'm still having to come to terms. Because what makes me angrier than more, more than anything is the fact that we me and any other child of narcissist had to deal with that as a child but then it doesn't like you say it doesn't just stop there even at your age you are still dealing with the after effect of what that person decided to put on you that was a decision that mm-hmm. they made and we carry that for the rest of our lives so i am still very much an angry resentful but i'm working on it yeah. you know yeah i'm still in that place fair dues yeah. fair dues so basically i think what we are saying the two of us is that we love very much interested to hear your definitions of a narcissistic parent you know we all have different experiences but i guarantee you that our list of descriptive words, some expletives, <laughs> which are fine with me, would look the same. Yeah. And as I said before, I have been blessed with more than one narcissistic example. So I can compare my own lists. Lucky <laughs> So lucky me. <laughs> so feel free to go to the Be In Touch page on the DaughtersWhoDare.com website. Share your definitions and please know that you're not alone. Thanks for hanging out with us. I hope you'll join us for future conversations. In addition to this podcast, you can find me and the Daughters Who Dare community on all social platforms. Please feel free to DM me on Instagram or email me at daughterswhodare at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you listen to your stories, and know your topic suggestions. I will respond to every message. I'm so grateful that you decided to come on this journey with me. Let's continue to dare together.